Hello. Hello. Good afternoon, Dan. How, How are, are you? you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Mm, good <laughs> afternoon. How is everything, Wayne? Everything is great. Five by five. Yes. Yes, I am receiving you. <laughs> Loud and clear. Let me check my call info. My new uh, my new nemesis is. Uh, I used to think it was packet loss. Then I oh. thought it was jitter. I think my new enemy is round trip. Round trip is bad. No, no, it's great right now. But when Syracuse and I recorded uh, a few days ago, and the round trip was up to like five thousand milliseconds, seems slow. And I don't know what any of that means. I, I think it means slow. Yeah, I think I think the round trip is when you start here and you go there and you come back. You go, you go, and you come back. Mm-hmm. I, I feel a little, a little bit like when you're a little kid and you go to the amusement park and you ride on one of those car rides. And like, you can pretty much do anything you want with the steering wheel. Yes. You know what I mean? You can, you can no turn effect. it really. Well, it doesn't seem to have an effect. You can spin it really super hard, but you know, the car is still going to do what it's going to do. Now with bump, with bumper cars, bumper cars, bumper cars, bumper cars, isn't it? If you turn it too far in one direction, it goes, puts you into reverse. Is that how that works? Oh, I don't even know if I know that much about bumper cars. All I know is I do them wrong. And I always end up, it's like a Seinfeld bit. I always end up jammed up somewhere. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It seems like that's something you need expertise in. For me, the goal that I always had when I was driving the bumper car was not to, uh, not to, to bump other people. It was to <laughs> avoid being bumped and drive as much as possible. That's <laughs> so me. Because all I wanted to do yeah. was drive. Just let me, you know, if you could have said, look, you can go in there and just drive the whole time and not bump yeah. anyone. And then everyone was always out to bump you. I don't yeah, want to get bumped. Like just, I just uh, want to just, drive. Don't listen, sheeple. Just because it <laughs> says right. bump in the name doesn't mean you have to be aggressive as, as, a, as a driver. That's right. How, how many chances are we going to have in the next 10 years to drive? Let's, can we just all get along? Did your parents... They, they should have polite cars. Did either of have, your parents ever like put you on their lap and let you steer while they did the pedals like in a parking lot or something? Yes, and. Yes, and. <laughs> my dad, uh, what I remember, and that, this is a... A fairly common childhood memory, I think, is standing on the seat. You stand and get you get to put one hand on the wheel. You get those big bench seats. That super hard dashboard. Dad smoking a butt. And you're just flying down the street. That's joy. You can do anything in the car. You can just climb over the seats. You can just run around. You can do laps in the back seat. Nobody cared. See, yeah, those big. I miss the big bench seats like that. Oh, those were nice. And now, man, we we take a car. Slide seat. on over. Slide, you take a hard turn like that. You do a bumper car turn in one of those, you're going to hit a door in like three seconds. It takes a while. Yeah. yeah now today we got a, uh, we got a kid seat everywhere. We're about, I think we are right now about four to six pounds away from not needing the seat. Oh, oh, your, your daughter's in the, okay. So you went through the whole progression, the, the tiny little backwards facing one, which maybe is also doubles as a carrier. And, and then, it's also the uh, worst design thing in the world. Right. <laughs> And then the, the forward seat that facing. cuts you when you use it. You ever have one of those? It literally cuts your hand when you use it. Have you ever had that? Yes. I bled. There's blood outside my front door. My daughter still points to it. She said, that's from that time you got mad. It's at the F word when you took out the seat. Because <laughs> you got to jam your hand in that little dragon mouth where you, where you thread, you carefully thread the seatbelt through. And of course, they thought the, the scientists at Graco or wherever were like, hmm. You know what would be good is moms and dads are going to be taking this in and out of cars a lot. Why don't we make some extremely sharp, difficult to see edges on the mouth of this? Bleeding, literally bleeding on my right hand. 
<laughs> oh my god we were talking about that we went to an amusement park the other day it was so fun and like you just see the people i think you're probably you're all out of this now with your kids but you see you see this with like a one-year-old kid and you're like you know i said this to my daughter i was like you know i i i, I would love to have the occasional 15 minutes of you being a baby again mm-hmm, but i gotta tell you i don't miss it that much no. i mean i miss the cute baby who doesn't know to despise me yet but but <laughs> the gear required the gear you got you got a stroller my kid never liked an umbrella stroller so she had to have the tricked out like limo stroller oh yeah then you need like a whole other stroller just for the stuff you got the diapers and you got the extra clothes and you got the wipes and you got a pad you carry a pad (laughs) carrying a pad should not be part of an adult's life (laughs) you ever change a diaper on a plane buddy Woo! (laughs) oh that'll teach you about god oh my goodness and then you get the car seat the car seat you take the car seat out of the car, you set it down. You know what it does? It falls over because there it's the worst design thing ever. There's no way to use a car seat that it isn't a little broken. Mm-hmm. Mm. 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 We're past that now. But she's so now she's moved from that to the front facing one to the bigger one to the booster. Is she in the booster? Yeah, she's in stage three. So you got the backwards one, the giant one. You can you can flip that around at some point. Yeah, she's on the booster, and we keep two boosters because you got to have one in the chamber in case you you know are having a play date or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we have two two extra seats in our car, and then when we go somewhere like if we Uber somewhere, I'm that guy carrying a pink seat everywhere. Is Hi. it is the booster <laughs> the kind with the back or just the just the base? No, no, it's a butt base uh, with uh, two uh, two arm things and uh, yeah. flip out uh, cup holders. It's your typical Target booster. He's been out of that for a, a year at least. It's your kid way. Oh, he's tall. I just measured him again. He's 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 getting up there. He's the tallest kid in his class still. Oh, really? Yeah. Ours used to be. She's four six and she weighs about seventy two pounds. So she's not at the eighty pound yet mark yet. Yeah, I think he hit that about a year ago. What? Yeah. So he's like almost five feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. About. Just got out of second grade and he's five feet tall. <laughs> he's almost. Yeah. He's tall. He's very yeah, and tall. You should, and you should get that looked at. That's not right. You know, he, he might have an be, extra gland or something. He's always been tall. Uh, but that comes from my wife's side of the family. Her dad is six, five at least. So mm, ours is a hideous freak. It's unexplainable. She was in the hundredth percentile for <laughs> like in the like improbably you shouldn't be this big as a baby baby. <laughs> right. And she was ridiculously large. She was like basically a tenth of my wife's pre-birth weight. Oh my God. So a tenth of my wife came out of her. And um, <laughs> welcome. Right. Want, want a video? Thanks. We're good. We're good. Never uh, craved the video. Never craved it. But uh, then uh, she got more normalized. Now there's some kids. Wow. There's some kids that are just, there's fifth graders at her school. Oh my God. Who are taller than me? You know, yeah, which I guess is going never, on. A little homunculus of a man, but still. <laughs> yeah. Where's my little girl? Four and a half. She's very upset because whenever I measure my son, he'll have grown. It doesn't matter if I wait a couple months or if, you know, whatever. He's always grown at least an inch. And she's very upset because hers are measured in centimeters of growth. Like a metric child. Yeah. And That's a shame. I, and, and she'll, because she's tiny. And, uh, and, and so just read, this just happened over the weekend. He's like, measure me again, dad. I'm like, all right. So I measured him I'm like, oh man, that's more than an inch this time. And my little girl runs over, me too, me too. I'm like, okay. And it's basically the same. I kind of fudged it and just added a little bit just to make her feel good. She's like, I'm growing too. I'm like, yes, you are. Uh, God, you know, a horrible thing in life is that the truth is so rarely a consolation. <laughs> so when you say to your kids something that is empirically true, 
Like, you know, even like a totally value-free true thing, like people are different. Boy, that is so unsatisfying. Or you say like, well, you know, <laughs> some people are tall and have money and a big house and lots of cars. Right. And, uh, you know, we don't have all of those things. Yeah. That's just, so basically life just decided you're bad. Right. Except for the fact that you're white and you win everything. Hmm. Oh man, we went to Six Flags. Six Flags. Six Flags. Is that the uh, like roller coaster ride? Oh yeah. Yeah. My family, oh my God, they were so good to me. So we went to, it's the one in Vallejo, Vallejo, which looks like Vallejo. And it's uh, Six Flags Discovery Kingdom. And brother, uh, man, it was so fun. I, they were really nice. So basically my daughter does not like roller coasters. She went on a roller coaster at Legoland and decided she's not in the roller coaster business for never, a while. Never, never again. Well, you know, kids can be pretty sensitive about roller coasters. I was when I was really little, but now you cannot make them terrifying enough for me. And fortunately, roller coasters have become legitimately terrifying. It's, are you a roller coaster person? Uh, yes, it's very much not when I was a, a kid, but as an adult or, you know, now it's been a while since I've been on one. Dude, but. I'm telling you, like when I was a kid, so I grew up in, in Cincinnati, which has a, I don't know what it's called now, but it used to be called Kings Island. And it was the like Hanna-Barbera theme park. And they had the racer. They later had the beast. At one point, the beast was the tallest, fastest, longest wooden roller coaster in the world in the early 80s. I don't like the wooden ones. Well, then I remember it like was uh, Cedar, Cedar Point. They installed this one where the track was much more narrow than the car. They introduced that, I think, in the 70s or 80s. And that was the first one like that, I remember. But now they are bananas. There's this one called, it's based on Superman. And I went on it twice. I actually paid for the upgrade so I could go around faster and ride twice. You, you show your privilege bracelet. You go you get to faster? Ride twice. Well, you can, you get to like skip line and stuff. Cause I was like, I only have like an hour to ride roller coasters before I have to go hang out with my family. And, uh, this thing is bananas. You got to watch the video of this. You're sitting in the car and it's one of those ones that doesn't have a hill to do. It, just, it basically takes off at 62 miles an hour. Wow. Straight out of the station, goes straight up an incline, turns a little bit, stops, comes back down. You go back, flying back through the station backwards. You go around, you start doing some flips. Now it's got some momentum. It comes back and you go through this series of curls and twirls and loops that it's like where you feel like it, like a G force, like your mouth is being pulled back. It's so fast and so steep and you're just barely held into this thing. It's like, oh, so great. Went on that, went on Medusa. Oh, it turns out we were there the day the Joker uh, had its like members only launch. So I got to ride the new Joker roller coaster, oh, which was awesome. So awesome. And now like I keep thinking about roller coasters. I haven't thought about roller coasters in years. And now I'm like, oh my God, I'm so broken inside. I need more roller coasters. Well, I'll tell you what, Florida, as much as we will bash it, it, it has some really great coasters. Did you ever go to Bush Gardens in Tampa? You used to go almost every weekend in the early 80s. But do you, not do you remember, were you there at Python? the, t- the t- Yes, the Python and the Scorpion. Mm-hmm. But they added to, I don't remember when they were added, uh, but I feel like it, it was in the 90s. They added one called the Kumba. Mm, wow. And, and one called the Montu. The Kumba is a traditional, I think you sit like four or five people across, but it does tons of loops and upside down stuff, maybe even some backwards stuff. But the Montu was the inverted ones. So you're the, the, the track is above you and you sit sort of suspended in chairs below right. it with your feet just dangling. There's no floor. That's what the, that's what the Medusa is. Oh, that's, that's, that's crazy. 
And also, I mean, so now here's our new thing in our house is we go through these little, little periods with, <coughs> excuse me, watching different YouTube videos. And now we're watching scariest roller coaster rides on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And there's one in Japan that has an inverse angle. I've seen this, you go like almost straight no. up. And then when you go down, imagine instead of it looking like, you know, like a graph, it actually tucks under. So you're like, like under 90 degrees. Oh. You actually are going like back. It's, it looks so freaking scary. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm a regular extreme adrenaline addict now. Nice. Yeah. Where's my habanero? Am I right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. I want peppers with that. <laughs> I'm officially a pan man. <laughs> yeah. It's fun stuff. It is really fun, and, and the kid stuff is fun too. It was a, it's a weird park. It's here's the here's the funny part. Like you, I'm sure you get this. So wait, how old were you when you moved to Florida? About ten. Okay, so like you had you'd been to the Magic Kingdom. Oh yeah, yeah. I went I went there before I moved to Florida. I had been there one time visiting my grandparents, who of course had retired to Boca, which is what you do. And one time we were visiting them, and they just sort of impromptu were like. Let's go to Disney World. It's only three hour drive. And we went to Disney and it was, it was about seven. So I'd only yeah. been once before I moved to Florida. Yeah, my first time was seven. I should not have gone on the Haunted Mansion when I was seven. Oh, Did it creep started. you out? Oh my God, I was terrified. Oh, I felt so like I was at home. Uh, is that right? Yes. I love it. It's campy. You eventually get that it's campy. They're funny ghosts. Well, you know what? Ghosts aren't funny when you're little. Funny dead people. Well, it's a funny zombie. It's a funny bear trap. It's a funny shotgun. Yuck. <laughs> But uh, here's the here's the the unfair part of all of this is like you know it, and it was it was known that the Magic Kingdom was more costly, but you would certainly pay because the Magic Kingdom experience was so different. The heyday when I was going, I think it was thirty five forty dollars for the day, which seemed ridiculous. Sounds right though. Sounds right. My season passed to Bush Gardens. I got in nineteen seventy nine. Season pass to Bush Gardens? Like 18 bucks, right? It's $20. <laughs> All right. So the rule of thumb, I think, with most passes is if you're going to go more than three times in a year, it pays for itself. And that was true. Instead of $27 <laughs> for a year of going to Bush Gardens, they paid $20. Um, but the Magic Kingdom as a kid, you really get the one, one thing Disney really got right. It spoils you for other places. Oh, Yeah. It's so immersive. It's so clean. It's so cool. And so like, you, but like this, the, the, uh, not to go on about this, but the Six Flags, it's only the second amusement park we've been to with our kid. We went to Legoland and we've been to uh, Blocko Land or whatever. And right. we've been to <laughs> uh, Six Flags. Six Flags is very Warner Brothers. Yeah. Not all Warner Brothers. Yeah. It doesn't have Harry Potter stuff, but it's all like superheroes and Bugs Bunny and stuff like right. that. I went but to, did you, did you ever get up? Well, yeah, you know, I think there was only one of these. It's called Great Adventure. No, and it's in it's in New Jersey. And of course, growing up in Philadelphia, that was like the closest uh, theme park. And they had a lot of log flume rides and things like that that were just a blast. And that was kind of what you're describing in your um, your uh, like Bush Gardens one. Like this was something we did a lot as a kid. Sometimes we go with school. Sometimes we just go on our own and. I think now, yeah, look at this. Six Flags owns this Six Flags now, Jackson, New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, I think that happened to Kings Island too. They got bought out by somebody. But um, but anyway, I guess all I'm saying is that like, you know, it's, I have this, I've I've adopted this John Syracuse-like approach where Syracuse talks about when he goes on vacation, like he sets aside a lot of his his rationality. He's like, well, everything's just going to cost a lot of money and that's, we could budget for that and then we don't worry about it. You right, know? right, you know, right, right. Obviously you can't spend all the money, but you go like, you know, the hot dogs will cost more here and that's, yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. But, um, but with Disney, I don't even know, Disney what, it's 
gotta be over a hundred bucks now, right? But yeah. but it spoils you. It spoils you so bad because this place, like six the Six Flags, like they've got like our like midway games, and they've got like some like upper level carnival quality rides, like a scrambler and stuff like that. And you're like at Disney World, like they you know they take that to such a next level. Oh, we also Walt, Walt one Disney of World in Orlando. Yeah, uh, a single day ticket for adults ten and up. Yeah, uh, is ninety two dollars. Wow. A one day child admission three to nine is eighty six. Okay, no, no, that's uh, it's different in Orlando. It's ninety five dollars, and wow. the, the kid is eighty six. So yeah, you're you're spending. That's one day. You're spending yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it might I, even be more than that. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of special deals and stuff like that. But um, but you know, anyway, it's just weird though because it, it, there's it's oh my, you know, I thought of you half a dozen times while we were there. Cause you know, I'm going through the thing I do periodically where I'm like, you know, my main rule of thumb right now, I don't have a name for what I'm doing with food except to say I'm trying to eat less bread and sugar. Okay. That's, that's it. I don't have a name for it. It's not paleo. It's not celiac. It's not Bob. Right. It is just eating less bread and sugar. So given the opportunity at every juncture, I will choose the option that has less bread and less sugar. Sure. So good luck in a theme park trying to find less bread and less sugar. It's all like, it's all you know, bread and sugar slushies and refillable giant drinks and everybody's big and like and the and the like it churros and like pizza and like is there anywhere here where i can just order three of something and throw the bread away mm-hmm. which is like one of my standard moves and then i sit i look like such a weirdo eating a hamburger without the bun yeah <laughs> i look like an alien i know you get used to it i do that like when we have to stop at mcdonald's or something <laughs> I look so weird. I am not aware of how burger sandwiches consumed. <laughs> I will remove bread, hold fillings in hand, and put into food hole for mastication. <laughs> I enjoy your earth sandwich. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Sir, the bun is part of the sandwich. Yes, yes. This is a part of the sandwich I will set upon my styrofoam. Don't even have styrofoam anymore. Oh anyway, yep, roller coasters. Sounds also, like you had a fun time, though. Had a pretty fun time. Had a pretty fun time. Uh, did some family visiting, and uh, it was good. It was good. You know, you know what happened though. You know what I did this weekend? I, I watched a sport. Well, which one? I watched that effing insane Warriors uh, versus Oklahoma City game a couple nights ago. Twitter was all talking about that. I didn't see that. Oh my god. It was astonishing. Man, those two guys with their three-pointers? It's nuts. Mm. Nuts. Anyway, mm. it was really fun. It was a fun game to watch because my family's very sportsy. Like if we're not like monopolizing the TV with the Harry Potter marathon. By the way, <laughs> right. thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Weird New Cable Station for the Harry Potter marathon. I love you so much. But um, uh, what's it called? Uh, freeform. Freeform? Freeform. Free, freeform. Freeform. Harry Potter. We got, got the whole family watching Harry Potter this weekend. Nice. Well, Uncle Bob was thrilled about that. Oof. <laughs> you just want to get back to the Giants. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you're going to watch a sports game, watching uh, Steph Curry and that guy who looks like Steph Curry uh, dropping three-pointers. Woo! Remember what a rarity a three-pointer was when we were young? I don't think they even had them. They didn't have them for a while. Now everybody's hitting three-pointers. That's all you need now. Have you seen this guy? These two guys? They, just, they just throw the ball and it goes. It doesn't even hit the rim. Sure. I mean, it's crazy. And there's one guy who looks like Cal Drogo on the other team. He was super cool. <laughs> Cal Drogo. <laughs> The girl learns the bounce pass. <laughs> what do you think of this season so far? Woo! 
Pretty good. Uh, pretty good. You know, Weird things. I watch it. I watch it phonetically. I obviously last Sunday's episode, even as little as I know about the show, was incredibly moving. Mm-hmm. I made my wife watch it. She's like, "What is this?" I was like, "Look how sad it is." Yeah, was very <laughs> sad. Out why he got his name in it. Um, but I, you know, I enjoy it. I'm way more. I mean, I, I like it a lot. I, I, I just really want to ask: Do you it. think that was that was written? Like, do you think that was the idea from the very beginning? Oh boy. As somebody who's never read a single word of the books and doesn't particularly care, you'd like me to speculate? That's correct. <laughs> it is said, it is said that uh, today on the streets, people were asking police officers now. Um, <laughs> it is said that we have now. <laughs> it was so hot. It was so hot. Uh, it is said that we have now reached the point past which uh, George R. R. Martin Martin has written book books. Right. So they're going a little bit rogue. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, you know, that's so. That's one of those things where if they had made that up, not from the book, I bet people would be pretty mad. So I'll bet it's in the book. Well, I think it's it is or will be in the book. But do you think that in page one of book one that that was like envisioned? Oh, you see oh, what I'm oh, saying? Oh, as as in like as in like the know, genesis of the father, name? Did they know who Luke's father was? Yes, right, person? exactly. No, I doubt it. I think they just got lucky. And, you know, sometimes doing a cute thing with a word or a name can be a little bit much. Yeah. They, they, they do that way too much on Doctor Who. Like, way, way too much in the Stephen Moffat years. Like, the last two seasons, which have been, you know, good. But, like, really last, like, four seasons. Like, there's all of this, like, Doctor Who? Who? Who knows, Doctor? The question. What is the question? Doctor Who? You're like, oh, God. Just give me a week off from this, please. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I like it. You know what's great is Veep. Do you watch Veep? You know, you're the second person in the space of just a couple of days who's mentioned that and said that I should watch it. I watched it at first. And, you know, it's just one of those things that there was no reason there should be a name for this. It isn't that you stop watching something. It's just you end up not watching it. I jumped back in with this season. and Oh, my God. It is. It's, it's so good. It's so fast. It's so funny. It's so profane. But the pacing is just blinding. It's, it's, and it's, you know, it's Armando Iannucci and crew. And so it's, it's got that. You know, if you like any of his other stuff, like, you know, Brass Eye and On the Hour and all that stuff, it's, he's, he's a genius. The whole, the whole crew and the cast. Great, great, great show. But I think you could jump in with uh, S5E1. John Syracuse would not recommend that, I'm sure. You could jump in with S5E1 and you'll get it. <clears throat> it's all just horrible people in Washington, like you'd expect. That and uh, still really enjoying Silicon Valley. Another which one. Not, which you're not start. watching. You're saving, start, you're saving it for start. prison. Yeah, right. not for prison. All right. Well, John, John right Roderick time. always says he's saving Shakespeare for prison. That's why he hasn't read any Shakespeare. <laughs> well, he could have be prepared. He's a good planner. Yeah, and he's thinking he's a prepper. Yeah, he's a prepper. Mm-hmm. Prepper. <laughs> and, uh, uh, hi. Hi. Did you want to tell me about something that you like? Sure, I can tell you about Smile. You heard of them? I've heard of Smile. I like them fine. Yeah, they're, they're a pretty good company. They make something called Text Expander which is a, a bit of indispensable software, I think. And it, here's, here's the crux of it. Here's what it's all about. Imagine never typing or having to type the same thing twice. Could be an email address, could be a bit of code if you're a developer, a, a, a message that you're putting into an email or tweeting about, directions. I mean, your address. All of these things can become these little snippets, shortcuts of text and images maybe that you don't ever have to type again. It's really, really, really cool. Um, it, you can also use this thing. They have these little fill-in-the-blank 
snippets. So like if, if let's say you have like a product or service and you get a lot of similar requests, you don't want to like cut and paste like a chain, you know, not chain letter. Like a like a, a a preconceived thing, you want to customize it. You want to put the person's name in there. You want to put the a specific answer to their question. You can do this with these cool little form things that let you customize common responses. This is is just so well thought through. And if you run this little agent, it will watch what you type. And if it sees that like you've typed your phone number or your email address three or four times, or you've typed the same thing a number of times, it's smart enough to watch and can like auto create the shortcut for you. Text Expander is really cool. There's apps for Mac, iPhone, iPad, and they have a, a new version in, for Windows, which is in beta. And you'll have all of your snippets on all of your devices all the time. Merlin, uh, I know you're a big fan of this. We've talked about this number of times on on the show, Text Expander, before. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's, it's one of those things that you just start to trust the same way that like when you go into the bathroom and hit the faucet, you expect water to come out. You know, you don't expect, you know, jelly or the concept of God. Right. And with this, like, it's so much a part of what I do. I just type these little things, the same things I've typed for years, and it's always there. It always works. I did it about half an hour ago to Comcast to send them my address information because I have that in a snippet. Boom, click, pop, it goes straight in. You can use it for all kinds of things. You can use it for uh, canny file naming. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. if there's certain ways you like to, you can right, have like little... Right, like insert, insert a date format, like year, month, day, minute, second, and have a, like, a, a file name with that. Yeah, this is a power user tip that's beyond the scope of, of this particular read. But for example, if there's a certain way, like for example, when I have an episode of Back to Work, I name each of the show notes files the same way, which is B2W show node X E, in this case 274 space, and then short date. And so I can basically have that automate the creation of the date because do a timestamp for today and then give me a pop up to put in what episode number it is and does all that for me. Uh, with the, you know, uh, it's just anyway, it's just, it's gold. I use it all the time. Uh, I use it for all kinds of stuff. Uh, probably stuff I could figure out a smarter way to do some other way, but there's all sorts of stuff it will do. That little form thing becomes just second nature. That ability to pop up and enter things. I have one I still use for like, if I want to change the way uh, a markdown link to YouTube, I can basically just pop in the identifying code for it and then type in my own things for the uh, title that I want it to be. And it'll be formatted correctly you know, bold, italic, whatever I want. It does all that for me, just all in that little pop-up. But also then they have these, I, I don't use this as much as some people, I'm, as the David Sparks of the world, but the conditionals are pretty great. If you need to do support email. Support email stuff is great. Even just yeah. reach out, like if you're reaching out to someone for like a basic, like sales kind of email where you're like, hey, I wanted to tell you about this. You don't want to send that that just letter that you paste to everyone. You want to customize it. The support email stuff is is really huge. You can even, there's other things you don't even think about that it can do, but because it's always watching your typing, you can do things like uh, what, what they call brand correction, where, you know, like if you type the word Cafe Press, is it a capital P in the middle of Cafe Press or is it all lowercase? You know, uh, Facebook, is it supposed to be a capital B or not? You know, LinkedIn, all of these different words that you type or even just skipping the fact that you you don't want to have to capitalize the Y-O-U-T-U-B-E. You can just type it all lowercase and like Text Expander will fix it for you and make it be the way that you want. That's super useful if you work at a company that has one of those names or that you're dealing with those companies right. typing it all the time. Why not have it be correct but not have to think about it? I've even seen people do stuff where they uh, they they have like if they type ls like they're doing something in uh, on the command line, it'll automatically switch it to ls with the command parameters that they want, or they'll have a shortcut to do that. Little things like that that are so handy and. Um, I got it two just, more quickies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one is you can, 
you know, if you were to do some kind of incredibly creepy historical uh, study of, of what I've typed on the internet over the years, uh, you would notice there's <clears throat> there are two ages in life. There's the first age uh, of my internet life where I would frequently call myself Melrin. I would type M-E-L-R-I-N because I'm an idiot. And then I started using Text Expander. And now if I type Melrin, it automatically corrects it to Merlin. It fixes the um, capitalization and everything. So I don't do that anymore. Right. Here's another neat one. Sometimes I forget how smart I've been. So for example, I have a shortcut for my email. I have a shortcut for my wife's email. I have a shortcut for my domain name. So if I want to basically do something with a path and then I want to just add MerlinMan.com, I just type MM, MMCOM and it bloop, types in MerlinMan.com right in front of that. If I forget and I end up typing something like a dingus, I get a pop-up that says, hey, remember, you have a shortcut for Madeline's email. Remember to use that next time. Right. Which, is, which is great. That way you don't get that cruft of stuff just sitting around that you don't need. It's always there to remind you. Much like a Burt Bacharach song. That's right. You can go to smilesoftware.com slash B2W. That's a special URL. If you go there, it supports the show. It also lets them know that you were listening and uh, and it's a really great way to to get hooked in. When you go there, you can sign up, you can download the trial, you can do all that good stuff, and and like I said, support the show in the meantime. So thanks very much to Smile. It's smilesoftware.com slash B2W. Boom. Buck, buck. Comcast wants me to send them a photo of my detached cable. <laughs> what? They're helping Be- me. Because they don't believe that you've detached it? You can cut this out. You can cut this out. But here's what happened. I woke up this morning. Bloop, 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 bloop. Sir, all the lights on the surfboard are blinking. So, of course, I assume, you know, because things go wrong. So, I turned to the to the unplug and replug. Bloop, 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 bloop. I did the, okay. I did the plug, unplug everything from the surfboard. Sure. Wait five minutes. Plug it back in. Did that. Bloop, 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 bloop. Still nothing. So, at this point, I figure, okay, it's got to be something really bad. So, I go to 192.168.0.100. And with the Ethernet, and I did the full modem reset. Where I said, forget everything this modem has ever learned. I did a, like a Hermione Granger C3PO style mind wipe on it. <laughs> and, and I said, start it over. Just shut it all down. Comes back up. Bloop, 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 bloop. And I thought, you know, you know, maybe I should just go peruse <sighs> to see if there's something that's occluded the cable outside for some. And I go outside and there's a eh, 20, 30 feet of coaxial cable in a pile where the male no. coax has been torn from the pole, probably because of wind or something like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they'll be able to fix it in a couple of days, they say. A couple days? I'm escalating it. And so the latest thing from Comcast Cares is, could you send us a photo? And I said, yeah, I'll send you a photo. Sure. You know what? It's not their fault. Comcast does not control the wind yet. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, they'll get it fixed. Good fix. That's you know, no big deal. Isn't that kind of weird though? That it would take two yeah. days to come out and yes, it it is weird. But at the same time, to me, that would make me feel a whole heck of a lot better than just them looking out and everything looks fine. Oh, I and know. it's just inexplicably down. Oh, I would. No, no. I want to see physical damage. To a, oh, it's, to such, it's a structure. It's, uh, it's it's a total gift in this age to have something physically wrong. Like, oh, actually, the reason our water is weird is because there's a goat in the pipe. You're like, there you okay, go. Yes, a, a goat, goat in the, the pipe. pipe. I, that I can understand. But I feel like I've reached a whole new level of, uh, as you say, Satori. I'm a very calm dude now on these calls. So oh, I'm yeah. talking to the guy. 
who's, you know, who's a helpful fellow from the Indian subcontinent. He's helping me out. And we're going through the whole thing. And he's saying, so, you know, are you, uh, so your, your cable's not working. I said, no, you know, like I said a second ago, uh, the cable, the coaxial cable that's attached to a utility pole that goes to where the cable comes from, that got ripped off. Hmm. So there's nothing going into the house. He says, so has there been any disruption in service in the house? <laughs> yes. And I, I, chuckled, I chuckled beside myself. And uh-huh. I said, yeah, uh, I, I just, you know, probably not explaining this super well. But the, the, the cable, meaning the physical, literal cable, not the notion of Xfinity as a value-added service. The actual cable is in a pile on the ground outside of our house because it's not connected to where the internet comes from anymore. Did he get it? Well, he asked me to make sure and replicate it inside to, to be sure that it wasn't. And I said, you know, um, no, it's 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 because the cable's not attached, I think. I think. You could come out. You know what? Here's the thing. Somebody could come out and find out there's extra, like, super secret cable. That was like a rogue cable. That was to throw people off the scent, that particular coax. There might be five or six other coax connections I just don't even know about. See, I'm trying to grow as a person. Anyway, they'll get it fixed. I mean, there's nothing you can do once once they're on board with what's going on with it. That's all you really need. You need the buy-in. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I you know, I just ask them on the internet; they could help me out. And so they're, I'm DMing with Comcast now. Is the thing I do. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Approve. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, you really notice it, though. You really notice it. So, what are you going to do? Like tether to an iPad or something? I don't know, man. My AT and T LTE usage is off the charts lately. I think I told you this, and I don't know why. It's so, an I'm emergency. Kind of reluctant. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't need another six hundred dollar phone bill because my LTE went nuts. That's another call I need to make. You know what's funny though is you call AT and T, and actually the people are really nice there. AT and T has gone from one of the worst customer support experiences to, generally speaking, one of the best. The people the that people, I talk to the are people really that you good talk now. to are really, really nice and helpful and not dinglings. And so, I mean, like I've had this happen where I think I told you this one time I called them you know, a year or two ago about something really innocuous, something it's probably another one of those like, ah, international things on here. What is this? Ah. And they were like, Hey, did you, uh, did you know that you could, um, save a fair amount of money by switching to this you know, package right here? I'm like, <laughs> nice try. <laughs> I've lived through the MCI years. I know what you're doing. Right. You're trying to do a switcheroo. You're trying to make me change my plan. You make me look over here. You change my plan. And suddenly I'm paying a lot for this other thing. And they're like, no, no, it's just it would cost you less every month and you'd have, you know, more bandwidth. And I was like, <laughs> and it was totally true. I changed the plan and I didn't have to re-up my contract. It just made everything better. They were just being nice. I mean, that's the same kind of thing that has happened to me where you are so jaded. You're bracing, you're bracing for the blow. Yeah. You're waiting for the scroogey, right? Yeah. Because this is where we are now. This is what we've become is we are so ready for each one of those interactions to exact some extra pound of flesh from us that we weren't even aware that we could give. And then you get off the call and you do the math or whatever, and you're stunned. It's like, you know, the reality distortion field. You're like, what did I just do? Like, oh, now I'm not grandfathered in on unlimited data. Or now I've re-upped, even though I bought all my devices, now I'm re-upped for two more years or whatever. Right, 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 right. We had a thing, I think I told you about this, with Time Warner Cable, who is the complete opposite your story's crazy. Of, of Your what, story makes no freaking sense. Well, there we have had a whole bunch of weird things happen. But at one point, I wanted to, this is a few years ago, I wanted to add uh, for, there was a month or two when we were doing like a daily news thing that I wanted to like have like CNN 
and and a couple other channels going so that I could just kind of like watch TV if to get the news and other things that we didn't get any of the pay channels or anything like that, just like basic cable. I thought it'd be neat to have that on this little TV that I had in the office and somehow just getting that turned on extended our contract by two years. Oh God, no. I mean, it was so dumb. It was so dumb. And we had to, finally, I, I made it so that when we moved, uh, we kind of got out of that locked in thing but it i mean it's it's so bad there's so much that's that can go wrong so we've we've kind of we expect it we expect any time that someone talks about a deal or a way to save you money that there's some kind of awful string attached that we're just somehow they're not going to really explain to us right and so for for myself if if i become aware of it i realize that i'm taking a stance that is very defensive and, and aggressive mm-hmm. in a way that I'm normally not. As <laughs> right. A that's not you. Well, it's not, but here's the funny part. I, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's no different than, uh, than the guy from the, uh, the wall, like his father, the way his father was acting last night. Like he was being so mean to the kid. He thought that made him look powerful. Right. Actually, it made him look small. It made, it made him look mean what and dumb and provincial. He's such a jerk. How could you, how could you talk? Did you see that baby? Did you see that sweet, sweet baby? baby? That baby looked, Really that baby smart. looks so much like a kid that I know. This is what it is to be 49. You watch Game of Thrones and mainly notice that a baby looks familiar. Right, right. What's your takeaway from Game of Thrones? The baby was adorable. Did you see those tiny little <laughs> fingers? He looks right. like baby Charlie. And right. I, said, I, I paused. I brought my wife and my daughter into the room to watch Game of Thrones. They said, watch, who's that look like? And they go, baby Charlie. Oh, I'm man. Like, I know. But that guy thought he was seeming like a badass. He's sitting there. He's insulting his son and his uh, kind of daughter-in-law, like in front of everybody, he thinks he's looking like a tough guy. And I said to my wife, you know what? I mean, because <laughs> I had the Game of Thrones explain to her. Yeah. I said, you know, that guy, he thinks he looks tough, but I think he looks weak. I think he looks small. He's the, literally the king of the castle. He's the guy up on the hill. And like, he's still, he thinks that that is a power play and he just looks weak. So that, what am I saying here? Like when I go into a discussion with somebody like that, my, my loins are girded. Like I am ready to be attacked from every angle by the company, you know, support people I'm talking to. And it's not rational. It's not, it doesn't. And the thing is, I guess what I'm trying to get at is I don't think that's effective and it's not actually very uh, confident or powerful. Like, you know, powerful people don't need to act powerful right? because they're powerful. Right. When you act powerful, you seem very uh, weak and anxious and, and like you can't be trusted. So, you know, I try not to be that way, but it gets to this basic problem that, and boy, this opens up a tunnel to a thousand things we've talked about on here, is that like, I understand very, very little about how a lot of stuff actually operates in business and how, you know, even down to the various layers of the stack, technically, there's a lot of things I don't really, really understand. I don't understand how like network switching works. You know, I don't really understand what coaxial cable is. I know enough to call it coaxial cable, but I'm at the mercy of other people with the control to say yes or no to things, which makes me feel uh, defensive and makes me feel like I have to sort of puff myself up. And that's not a way to be. But I mean, there's an episode of Reconcilable Differences that'll come out on Thursday where Syracuse and I talk a lot about, I don't want to spoil it, but we talk a lot about uh, like how frustrating it can be like with Apple stuff where the login, the constant pop-ups you get on iOS, right? You get these, right? Sometimes you get like an, an iCloud, like you're yeah, on- For no reason. On the, yeah, like you turn on your phone, you're logged in and you're on whatever, the springboard, you're on the homepage 
and you get a pop-up to log back into iCloud. And it's like, you know, and so what do you do? You put your password in because it's Apple. But like, if you got that experience anywhere else, anywhere else on a computer, like, what would you think? Like, do you ever get a pop-up? Like you're in the middle of doing something. Let's say you're on Slack and you're as the like, you know, forward app on OS 10. You ever get a pop-up that says, oh, log back into Google. You'd be like, whoa, right. like, what is that? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not doing anything I'm aware of with Google. Google has never randomly decredentialed me. And when I do log into Google, it's a very standard, not to spoil this episode, but it's a very standard experience. You have authentication, you do your two-factor, et cetera. So not understanding that stuff, I think, puts people like me in a constant state of like slight background anxiety about yes. like what could just break, and I wouldn't know why, and I wouldn't know how to fix it. Which is not a fun way. It's not a fun way to live, even though I consider myself, I don't know, I, I, for a long time, I would like to think that I was in the top 15% of technologically aware people. Aware and able to, like you were the guy that people would come to when they had a problem or when there was something they couldn't figure out. I know enough to know the IP address for my surfboard to go in and reset it or restart it. Right. I know that I can only do that with an Ethernet cable versus doing that. I know those kinds of things, but I don't actually understand how a surfboard works. I don't actually understand which thing I ask for on this call could unconsciously change the nature of my contract, right? <laughs> or, I mean, for that matter, like, the okay, so like, for example, two or three weeks ago, this is, I mean, this as a compliment, but it's also instructive. So like, I, I finally had one of those dumb Apple Music errors that people get, which was that my copy of Jay-Z's album, The Blueprint, his wonderful 2001 album, The Blueprint, mm -hmm. which... I should note, is not available on Apple Music because Jay-Z stuff is not available on there. My iTunes Match version of that suddenly became the clean version. And yeah, it was like, oh, I saw uh, you. Didn't you tweet about this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was just mostly like a kind of like, oh, I guess it's touched my life now too. Oh, well. You know, and sometimes you download stuff and it's not what you expect and the art is wrong. And you see everybody talking about this. Well, I finally got a little taste of that and I thought it was kind of frustrating. And then um, a few days later, I got tweeted at by the big time Apple support Twitter. And they said, Hey, you know, we want to fix this for you. Send us a little information. I did. I didn't think about it for however long that was ago, two weeks, three weeks. And then just for fun, um, I went and I was listening to the blueprint and guess what? It's fixed. Like now when I stream my iTunes match version of the blueprint yeah. from the cloud in yeah. iTunes, it's no longer the clean version. Huh. So what changed? I don't know. Somebody did something. They never followed up with me about it or right. I'm not that I'm asking for an apology, but they never said, oh, this is a common thing that happens because X or Y. Right. It just got fixed. So there was a thing. I put it in the cloud. It wasn't what I expected. Now it is what I expected, but I don't have any more like sense of, and I, I, honestly, I'm not saying this as a way of bitching. I'm saying this as a way of saying like, we're increasingly disintermediated from understanding how and why things work at all. Right. At, le at least I can understand that when there's a broken ass coax cable dangling in front of my house i have a good idea why the cable's not working <laughs> if ever, if only everything was so simple and and obvious and straightforward as that though right it, it's a, here you go i found out there's a reason your water tastes like goat there's a goat in your pipe <laughs> like oh god that totally makes sense why is the bath water a little more yellow tonight i don't know we were gone for a few days and now the bath water is a little yellow mm. i don't know why my life is filled with these mysteries i don't know why and i'm not sure where i'm going with this but uh Anyway, we end up talking about that on the show because we're also talking about like the whole like modern media landscape and like how kind of bewildering it is. Like there's some kinds of things you just can't get. Like Marvel will just suddenly like disappear 
a trade paperback of something, there's just like a Marvel Masterworks trade you can't get anymore because reasons. And you're like, that's so weird. Why would you not be able to go by every Thor Masterworks? Like, why? I don't know. Black box, right? Why is it that like you can't buy a legit American copy of Millennium Actress, the anime anime movie that Syracuse loves? You can't, but guess what? Paramount just put it up for free on YouTube. Why? I don't know. Black box. There's just all of these things that like, you know, and, and I don't mean to be pining for the age of cassettes or something, but like there is something like very strange and anxiety producing about knowing just enough about how this stuff to be even more completely per- perplexed about why anything happens for any reason. And not feeling like you have, at least for me, for myself, I feel like I don't have that much agency to track down what's going on. In the case of the Apple thing, I'm very pleased that they fixed that one instance. I don't right. know what else is, I don't know, God knows what else is broken in there. Well, in a way, where this is the first time I think in in history where so much of the stuff that we think of as ours or things that we have exists in the cloud. In other words, they don't exist on a hard drive that's in the same physical proximity as us. That is on our desk, under the desk, or down the hall in in a room. And now all of this stuff exists out in the world, and really. You know, when you play that that Jay-Z song or that album or whatever, it's actually, it's just, it's it's a pointer to a song. It's not the actual song. There is not, and I know you know this, but, you know, like when it's you- it's almost more like, it's almost more like a symbolic link. Right. Like there, when you click this, this will happen. That's exactly, uh, that's exactly what it is. And that, that there is only one, there is only one copy of Jay-Z's Encore on Spotify or whatever, or, you know, if there's a explicit version and version and a clean version, then there, there's two. And everybody thinks of that file as their own. It's the same thing with Dropbox. If you upload, and I think they still do it this way, but if you, I've, I've asked about this, I've gotten partial answers on this. It seems like anyway, if, why is it that if you upload something that fell off the back of a truck, that's a very popular thing. Uh-huh. Is this what you're talking about? Yes. Why is it that when you drop, like you drop that into a folder on your Mac and the icon suddenly changes. Instantaneously synced. How did a two gig thing get uploaded that fast? Right. And, and it seems to be that some hash matched. That's exactly like that's AWS. exactly what it is. Because if you if you run like an, I'm sure they're not doing a straight MD5 hash of every file. But if you were to do an M, an MD5 hash of a file on your drive and one on mine, let's say we both download the same uh, picture of Max from Rushmore and when to use it as our desktop background. We download it from the same website and it's on your drive and mine. If we run that MD5, it'll be the same. So if you upload yours to Dropbox, when I'm going to upload mine to Dropbox, Dropbox runs the MD5 and says, hey, do we have this file anywhere else on Dropbox? And if right. the answer is yes, then that that file, they're not making a separate copy of that file to your own Dropbox, even, and it's not taking up more space in your Dropbox. They're going to tell you it is, but in reality, your, that file that you have quote unquote uploaded is actually just the file that exists somewhere else on Dropbox that now also pseudo exists in your folder. And that's how sometimes like what you're saying, you upload something that's incredibly large, but it only takes a second to sync that's crazy it seems it seems to take as long as it would take to upload like a like a whatever a 20k text file right in that by the time you look back the icon is switched to the check mark right 
And that's, that's because that file already exists on Dropbox and someone else has uploaded the very same file. And what's going on is Dropbox is smart enough to say, we don't need to upload that again. I know without right. a doubt that it is the exact same file. So therefore, we'll just create a, a representation of it for you. I have reason to believe that that used to be the case. I'm not sure that's 100% the case anymore. Hmm. But I mean, you know. I, I don't know. I got a little bit of insight intel, but I, I don't really understand the implementation details. But, but no, that 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 and that that makes sense. But you know, you're you're getting to something which is, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to bag on Apple Music. It's such a tired subject at this point. But you know, it's it's weird how iTunes Match in some ways. I, iTunes Match always felt like magic in at least a couple three ways to me. First, it seemed amazing that for what that cost, that was a really good service. You know. Um, just the ability to have a hard drive in the sky with the music you want, the live shows, yeah. the demos, the like, like there's stuff. I mean, I'm not like a music collector, but I've got some like unreleased stuff by the long winners. I've got unreleased stuff by the Wrens, like the bands for which of which I am a super fan. I have stuff that would be difficult to replace. It could be MP3s from the early nineties of bands that are out of print. There's stuff like that. So, I mean, there are those kinds of things where I like, you know, I kind of, tr I treasure those things. I don't kind of treasure them. I treasure them. It's different than like, this is exactly the same copy of the Taylor Swift album that everybody else has. So like to me, first of all, the fact that it would do that and that Apple would allow itself to be a big hard drive company was kind of amazing. Yeah. The fact that it would do the matching was even more uncanny. That somehow they wangled the deal where like, if this does match a known thing and mm -hmm. I, you know, I gotta tell you, I did not have iTunes match. I've used iTunes match a lot for several years and I don't remember having these kinds of weird problems. If it knew, if it was over 128 K and it matched, you could download the nice, whatever AAC version. of Right. It. So like all told, like that's an amazing system. But now, like, uh, I don't have that confidence and the effect of it has been me unconsciously going meh i haven't listened to it in years anyway i just feel like i care a little less it's almost the feeling of like when your hard drive would crash back in the day before we were got good at backup where you'd have to just you'd have a little bit of time where you're very very sad and then you quickly get existential about it and you go well if i really needed it that's too bad i don't have it anymore right. and that's cool. almost how i feel right now we're like i don't have the energy and enthusiasm today as i sit here to go into itunes download every single thing i have in itunes match and then run through and make sure it all is correct. You know, I, I, I'm totally with you on that. It's almost, have you ever heard the term digital dark age? Probably. Tell me what that means. Okay. Uh, well, according to Wikipedia, the digital dark age is a possible future situation where it will be difficult or impossible to read historical electronic documents and multimedia because they've been recorded in an obsolete and obscure file format. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the examples that they've given, there's like something that happened with NASA and some other places where data was stored in a way that back then was kind of commonplace, but has now become, it's not just a matter of like, oh, I don't have a zip drive anymore. How am I going to get that zip disk? And no, it, it's beyond that. It's that stuff was written to a tape or some recording media that we don't even know what format it was written in, let alone what device to use to pull it off of there. And it, it almost, what you're describing almost makes me think of that. It's that, you know, we're so reliant on like the way things are right now. And there's no real, there's no real, like I always hearken back to one of my friends who used to have this amazing collection of his VHS tapes and he, you know, a new movie would come out and he'd go and he'd buy it, put it up on the shelf. And like, it was there and he had that. And then, 
you know, DVD was the same way. Like you had these DVDs and you could just, oh, I want to watch this movie. And, you know, as long as there was power, as long as you had power, you could watch your DVD. Right. And like the notion of that is is going away really fast. You know, you don't you don't have an internet connection in your house right now. So like, how will you guys watch this stuff that you've become accustomed to? Well, oh my gosh, you might have to do something else, right? But like, that's okay. But the fact is, we are very much reliant on our internet connections to the point where, and we mentioned this, I think last week when we were talking about the movie Coherence, when people's in the movie, their their phones were breaking, they couldn't get service. Like that's, that's a, try it, try it for, it's different to say, you know what? I'm not in the mood to like, look at my phone right now. I'm going to put it away to charge. That's very different from wanting to use your phone and it just isn't going to work. It's not going to, if you change your location, it won't work. It's not about not having power. It just, it can't connect to anything. And your computer can't connect to anything and you can't watch anything on TV. Like it very quickly sets you back in a way that we haven't really had that because we have had DVDs and VHS tapes and record players and, you know, eight tracks and whatever, what have you, that, you know, we had these kinds of forms of entertainment that were always just there. And now we, we really don't. And I, I use Spotify. I don't use Apple music. I tried it. Uh, I tried it for a couple months exclusively and went back to Spotify, but sometimes you'll have something on Spotify and like, then it'll go away. I forget what it was, but okay, you know what? You know, remember Mungo Jerry? In, in the summertime. Yes, yes. They, what artists are now doing sometimes is- <laughs> They re-release They re-record and re-release one yep. of their songs so that they have the rights to the song, but not to the individual recording. So like, if you go and search for one of these songs, you might be surprised to find that, well, wait a minute. It says it's by Mungo Jerry. But it sounds a but little it sounds weird, different, and not yeah. as good. And oh, they just recorded this a year ago in the studio, and you know it, it's not the same thing. And there's no way to like get the old one back. You can't get that back. Uh, so it's uh, it's happened a lot. And I mean, some of it makes sense. ELO did that. Squeeze did that. A bunch of bands have done that, so they can basically license their hits right. and get all of the credit for them. But. Yeah, and I'm trying. I'm trying not to become one of those, you know, shocked pearl clutching people that says, "Oh, I have to be able to watch, you know, you know, uh, this '80s comedy like anytime it occurs to me." I'm not really saying that, but it's just the, it's the loss of that. Like, for example, even with computer files, I've never really understand understood HFS and what it does. When I thought about files in the past, I thought about it as not even an office in the sense of having file drawers, but maybe like a small storage area where here's a pile of stuff for summertime. Here's a pile of stuff for, you know, like where basically you think about your files as existing in these folders that you put together. Sure. And they, but they had a sense of place. You knew where that window was on screen when you clicked it. You knew that file would be there. And except in fairly rare circumstances, they, they worked the way you expected, even if it had been a while since you opened it. <clears throat> and even though I, again, I just want to clarify, I, I don't have any understanding about how those how that stack really, really works. But I did have a sense of confidence that enabled me to be a power user about that stuff. It's just that there's, with alongside the convenience that comes from all that and the always connectedness and all that stuff, the only way to get that connectedness is through these means that end up disintermediating us, but also giving us less control over what can happen in some ways. So like, I don't know, we were out of town a few weeks ago and I heard a song at a pool and I was thinking, you know what? I don't like reggae, but I really like Rocksteady. I want to listen to a lot more Rocksteady. And I, I found this, I found off the back of a truck, I found these collections 
of this this Rocksteady and Rocksteady is like the what happened for a few years between ska and reggae very R&B influenced kind of like ska but like with a lot more piano and stuff like that anyway Rocksteady it's a sound that song the tide is high the blondie covers yeah. is a famous Rocksteady song it's a really delightful kind of music that's not as annoying as reggae or as hopped up as ska um, and so I found like this album Trojan Records put out all these great uh, artists and they put out something like they did an album of all like a double album of Beatles covers and it was amazing it was all these bands some better than others but some of them were truly great and transformative so I got that off the back of a truck I ran it through Music Brains Picard so Music Brains if you don't know is a wonderful database and service for identifying not just like CDDB level like what is this song mm -hmm. but down to like which version of this released in which country which year and which format so you can pinpoint exactly, get the metadata exactly right for stuff you really care about. So you can say, no, this is the, what you're listening to, this is the original version of this that was released in 1998 on LP. This is the re-release of this from this year that was electronically available in the UK, et cetera. So you go in, it's a real, and so Picard is the OS X app for Music Brings, and it's a terrific app. And I've been using it with iTunes Match for years fingers crossed, flawlessly. Right. You drop a bunch of stuff on there, say, this is this, like wrap these together, fix, get everything right down to like, they've got the, like who wrote, who played on things, like all kinds of data. It gets exactly right, fixes it across all those tracks. You upload it to iTunes. And iTunes, from what I could gather on iTunes Mac match back in the day, whatever I said, it believed. And it was perfect. There were times where it didn't do the correct uh, I wouldn't be able to get the downloaded version because it didn't match what iTunes called it, but I could always get my version. So if I had a good enough version, it was always flawless. I did this three or four weeks ago. I dropped a bunch of these records on there. I spent 20 minutes getting the metadata right because I'm a dork. <laughs> dropped it into iTunes and it completely did not honor any, not, not none of the metadata, but it was worse than none of the metadata mm. because tracks that it could figure out were from a different compilation it would guess on. And what started out as this one Beatles, like two CD set now was partially like five different collections. <laughs> yes. All in different places because it was trying to be smart. It was thinking for me and saying like, well, what you really care about is getting to the version that's on Apple Music. And it's like, no, it's not. What I really want is the version that I said this is so I can listen to them in order. So I can't prove this, but my gut is, I think that right now, some, somewhere between iCloud Music Library, iTunes Match, Apple Music, it's heavily favoring their guess on what something is yeah. over what you very specifically said it was, which might work for 95% of people and 95% of music, but it screws the pooch on a ton of my music. And so what's the result of that? Like, uh, so what do I do? Like, even if I go fix it, it's still going to reject it. That's the basic problem. Right. So like now I'm not as engaged with that. What used to be this cohesive piece of music that I could listen to. Eh, it's a bunch of stuff here and there and it might be there. I've got, you've, you've certainly gotten the thing before where you went on iTunes match where it goes, okay, here's Jay-Z's album, The Blueprint, except for these three tracks right. that are under a different are version. They? Well, I, I, I've used Picard to try and, you know, basically brute force that by forcing it to change all the fields. It still doesn't always get it, but it was good enough. So I'm not meaning this to be the usual complainy thing about Apple Music or any given thing. What I am making the case for is that I think if you choose to get into this world, there was a long time where this was a terrific medium for super nerds. If you care a lot, a lot, a lot, 
about the photos you take and you go in and get all that metadata right, there are containers for this, like iPhotos or you know Lightroom or whatever, that will hold your stuff in situ. And you can know that if you put that there and keep it backed up and your drive's not corrupted, right. it'll work. Right. If you've got this music and you put it there, you name it what you want. You give it like along the lines of Plex and the ability to give alternate posters or covers. You make this exactly the way that you want it. It'll mostly stay that way. I think that ability to serve the super fan who cares intensely about that stuff might not, this might not be the medium for us anymore. Yeah, because no, I mean, it's, you it's know, it all of a sudden we're the guys with the laser discs, like, you know, like sitting in their, you know, in their basement, in their mom's basement, like looking at their laser discs saying, oh, this was really the best press of this ever, you know, and, uh, but like some, like my father-in-law had all of the, uh, for many, many years, all of vinyl collection and i guess once that cds got to a level he would accept he transitioned to cds and he kept his cds and he would rip them onto and this just this unnerved me but he would rip them to his mac but he wouldn't rip all of the he wouldn't rip the complete cds you just got his favorite tracks he would be like well you know this rolling stones album i don't like i don't like these two songs so i'm not i'm not ripping those He's treating it more like the way many people would create playlists for their iPod. Right. Where he's saying, like, just pull out my favorites. And I said, well, you can, you can, once you've uploaded, once you've ripped it, you could just uncheck the little box and it'll never play those. Yeah, but I don't want them. I never want to hear them again. Like he, he knew it, you know, he, he listened, he heard the Rolling Stones when the first time they were ever on the radio and bought the album the day it came out when he was, you know, when he was young, he knows he doesn't ever want to hear those two songs ever. Right. So he was confident enough in, in a very kind of a John Wayne way that he just don't want to hear it. Yeah. And, but it just, it, it, was, it was incomplete. And I feel like the whole sense of an album is going away in, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not, it, for, singles have always been big and you've always been able to get, you know, the little record with the single on one side and then the B side. But I feel like the whole notion of like building an, a whole album that's a cohesive thing, not just a bunch of songs that we wrote, several of which we care about and the rest we have to do to commit to our, to our record label, but like really getting into it and creating something that like there's a message to the whole album or the songs are connected in a certain way or this is representative of a period of time in the artist's life. All that is kind of gone and people don't consume albums. They consume playlists now. It's not, I mean, right. how... I remember very, very much getting an album and putting it on and listening, especially if it was on a cassette tape, the tape would automatically flip when it was done. The head would flip. So you could put on an album like, tonight we're going to listen to this album, which would be like, okay, here's 12 songs or whatever number of songs from an artist. You listen to it from the beginning to the end and you kind of see what they were doing and how the songs were mixed together. And now forget that. It's like, it's not even mixtapes anymore. It's just playlists now. Oh, I'm following this playlist from, you know, from such and such, or I'm on Apple music listening to this, but it's not a radio station. It's kind of a curated playlist. And that's cool. I really like that. But I feel like we're also kind of losing the notion of the the album as a thing as like you know something you can put and play and listen to from from beginning to end that's a foreign concept to my kids yeah i i kind of agree i mean it's we're talking about a lot of people with a lot of different you know tastes and interests so i mean i'll bet you that almost everybody out there regardless of how old they are and how much they listen to music could tell you like their favorite 
mostly could tell you like if they if they have a favorite album and they may not be attached to it in the same dumb way that we are but they probably even own some cds or they own whatever i think the idea of i think the idea of selling as an album is not going away i think the idea of consuming as an album may be definitely on the downswing Mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. you can go out and buy you know even God, look at the change in sales even on on itunes how yeah increasingly people just want to go stream stuff and that's how they think about it now they think about it more like netflix the other example that comes to mind i don't know if this is a perfect analogy but my wife will occasionally and my wife will occasionally uh get one of those uh get a box of produce delivered to your house right and we used to get this regularly but you know she'll try different ones like you know what good eggs and these different ones where they bring you a bunch of organic produce. You usually have maybe some input on it, but in my experience, generally there's a knock on the door, you go downstairs and there's a giant box of green stuff and frozen stuff that you did not have that much to choose from. And so like I might go, Oh man, strawberries. I really like these strawberries, but like I got no time for this kale or this Swiss chard. You know, it's just that the box, you get what you get. You get what you get and you don't get upset. You get whatever you get in the box and like you're super excited about the strawberries. If you didn't get the strawberries one week, you'd be kind of bummed, but that's the nature of the box. Right. That to me is more like where we're going with this is that you, but on the other hand, if you do care, you now have the ability to say like, all I ever want are, you know, these particular kinds of berries. So like you can get a playlist with exactly the kind of stuff you want. People say the Spotify, um, that Spotify is pretty good at coming up with stuff for you. Jason Snell and some other people were recently talking about the A-list recommendations on Apple Music. And that's a constantly updated, like, here's the best of new stuff in hip-hop, indie, hard rock, whatever. And that's a good place to find curated stuff. But I think what we, it sounds like what we can agree on is that people's tastes, interests, and the technology that affords it are definitely steering us away from like owning catalogs of curated stuff that we think of, you know, as kind of part of our ongoing heritage, the same way you would think of like books from your, you know, books from your parents or your grandfather's tools or something like that. I don't think people have that same feeling about that right, now. Right. But like when, when it comes down to stuff like photos, though, that's really concerning. Like if you've gone in and spent a lot of time uh, doing metadata and faces and like locations and doing all that stuff. And then for example, the iOS application suddenly goes away that affords that like, yeah. Whoa, yeah, like that's pretty weird. So, you know, I guess, you know, there's so many things where you come back to like files on my local drive that I back up are, are things that I trust. But, but again, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to blame the technology part. What I'm interested more in the cultural um, momentum of that. And I feel like for me as an old man, the cultural momentum is like, I'm just learning to care less about all that stuff as it becomes more difficult to wrangle. You know, we're like, you suddenly discover something that used to be there isn't there anymore. Well, what do you do? Do you like write a mean letter? Do you get sad? Or do you just go, well, I guess this is the thing I'm not doing that much anymore. Yeah. And I don't love that feeling in myself. Not just because it's youth going away, mm-hmm. but because, although that's, that's probably part of it. If a lot of us admitted it, we would, if we admitted the truth, a lot of what is upsetting to us about the current uh, climate or about ideas about the future are that it is upsetting to our idea of ourselves in the past. And, you know, that's what makes us all crotchety, you know, right. driverless sure. cars, what? But, you know, but you the know. weird thing is there, there are some things out there right now that I find very appealing. Some new things that are coming out 
that I find to be f- absolutely fascinating and that I feel are a really, really good direction. And you know, like there was this article that I was that I was reading uh, saying that that it's a rumor. I'll put it in the show notes that Apple may introduce um, a, a natural language uh, parser based on this company that they acquired. I think it's called Vocal IQ that they acquired before Vocal IQ could even uh, could even release their product. Apple found out about it, acquired it, and it it can do the kind of things that we were talking about in previous episodes where we were saying, wouldn't it be cool if you could say, hey, go find us a restaurant that has this and this and is about this far away and serves this kind of food, and then it could make you a reservation there, and you, you then you could just say to it 15 minutes later, you know what, change that restaurant to a Mexican one, Mexican food instead, and it would understand and remember perpetually the context the way that a human being would this you know that kind of stuff is absolutely fascinating to me and i look at that and i think yeah like that's that's the future that's the really really exciting thing like i'm i'm fascinated by that kind of thing but then when i look at uh you know the some of these other things that are coming out and the driverless car thing is is an interesting example um wearable stuff uh google glass virtual mm-hmm. reality as a whole those kinds of things i'm not that interested in them uh snapchat i've tried it not that interested in it and it's it's interesting to me because some of the things that are new and that are coming out, you know, like robot assistance, anything to do with robots, like all of these things are absolutely, I think, are just really cool and really interesting and huge, huge benefits to humanity as a whole. But then there's other things that I find just not offensive, but just completely disinteresting and that I somehow my initial reaction is to kind of like, I don't want that. Right. And it's perplexing because I'm not always sure why, you know, why is it that I find Snapchat to be just a complete breakdown of everything good about humanity? But <laughs> I, I find that a, a robot assistant, which is just as new or a robot, a driverless car uh, to be absolutely wonderful. And I, I can't wait for it. I'm just, I wish it was here right now. I don't know. I don't know why these things are, are so different. And I, I don't know if part of that is like you're saying, like we have this concept of how things are or how they should be. And, and when they change, we're not happy about it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think it very, and yeah, I, I take your point. I, I think it varies a lot depending on what the thing is and how much it relates to our own identity, not to make this too mushy, Mm. but I think that has a lot to do with it is that, you know, and this is again, something Roderick and I end up talking about all the time is like, like John's ability to distinguish a 1954 Les Paul from a 1956 Les Paul is not really as interesting to people as it used to be. (laughs) Yeah. That was a special talent before. Right. Or for me to know which take, of Anya Burke can sing, which outtake of Anya Burke you can sing this is like that. Who's that useful to? It's not even that useful to me. So I'm not even interested in it. I'm, I'm sorry. I even said it. That's super boring. But like, there's this sense of like, you know, how we, how, you think about history, you think about family, you think about mastery, you think about time, whatever it is that you invested or whatever got invested in you about something, it has like invisible strands to something that's about more than technology mm-hmm. right i think that's that's part of it 
uh, even setting aside things about like fear, anxiety about, you know, the world's of just the change that we would all worry about. Like, ah, we don't want everybody to have nuclear weapons. That's a very reasonable thing right. related to technology. Like that's, that's totally normal. But you know, I, I am for myself, if I really dig in best that I can, a lot of my objections to that come down to either something that I feel like I know, have known a lot about and understand, and I don't want to see that knowledge changing. Or it's something having to do with, what do you call it, family, tradition, whatever. Where it's something where you feel like, oh, that's going to be a horrible bastardization of something that I feel like made me how I am. So like, you know, cassette tapes. Like, and again, like today, Federico Vitici had a really nice post about mixtapes and Apple Music, et cetera. Really good post. But it gets me thinking about like, you know, how many things I put on Maxell tapes in the 1980s and even early 90s. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was still taping my CDs because I had, right. had a tape player in the car, but yeah. not a how CD. Do you, how do you get take that music with you? You put it on tape. But how could you become so... It, it's, and this is actually even not so different from what I've had to say about email for 10 years, which is that it's not about email. It's about people. So like when you think about cassette tapes, we're not really talking about a, you know some pieces of plastic and some screws with sprockets. We're talking about the time that you spent picking that music putting it on there, doing this, like you invested, right? You invested time in all of those things. And so even though I'm not listening to a lot of cassettes these days, I still have a real nostalgia and fondness for that. Not least because it was a time investment. It also was something that brought me together with other people. You could mail music to somebody and they could listen to it. You know, if you yeah. had a crush on a girl, you'd make a tape oh, and yeah. very carefully choose things just to push right up to the edge send, of creepy. Send the message. Yeah, not too far. Um... I've mentioned this many, many times in the past, but I, I keep loving this Twitter account called Pessimists Archive. It's Pessimists Arc, A-R-C. And it's just, it's just an account that basically tweets um, headlines, news, various incredibly strong negative reactions, hot takes on technology <laughs> from the past. Yeah. And some of, it, some of it is quite funny because you realize how silly some of that is, but like, the, so anyway, go check them out. It's in show notes. But what I find most compelling about this is, you know, yeah, ha ha, you can laugh and say, you know, this, but like, look at this rat, the GMO rat, this rat, everybody holds up as this, what's happened. This is what happens when you feed GMOs to an animal. And as it says here, it's actually from a completely debunked study <laughs> retracted by journals, but the image of the rat is what sticks in your mind. Sure. So like the part that's illuminating to me about reading this, you get a chuckle out of it, but it's also how much you could change a couple nouns in a sentence and have it not just be something from the 1980s, not just a cautionary tale from the early 20th century. It could be from medieval times. It really could be, Mm -hmm. you know, back before we realized that, uh, you know, most witches were actually just lesbians and we probably shouldn't drown them. Like there was a time when you could change a few nouns around and almost any cautionary tale points to a dependable system in the past that we all understand and points forward to this horrible thing that's going to unseat that. Consequently, these things will definitely happen as a result. And once you eat enough of that, you start to go, oh, there are patterns here Mm -hmm. that we probably shouldn't ignore. It doesn't mean we can't have feelings about things, but I think it's really valuable to not take those immediate feelings that you have and, and instantly convert them into what you've decided are facts for all time. Because there's a lot of prior art and literature to show you that that is very rarely the case. So far, gravity mostly works. So far, we got about 24 hours in a day. Right. So far, people grow up and die. But apart from that, there's not that many things that are that carved in stone. And, you know, I think it helps to just detach a little bit of the emotions from that in order to not fall into the trap of thinking that everything that comes up is dangerous. 
Hmm. Except for Apple Music. What well, a mess. That's very dangerous. Dan. Yeah. Hi. Hey. Uh, would you like to tell me about one? I have to go home and photograph my coaxial cable soon. Would you like to tell me about one more thing that you like? I would. And then I have a little uh, bit of follow up. I would love that. Squarespace. Squarespace. Bear Squares. Square space Squarespace sites. You want to make a website, you go to squarespace.com slash back to work. When you get there, you create an account. You don't give them a credit card. You don't do any of that. You just start making a site. You can customize it. You can design it. You can import your content from other blogging systems. If you had a blog, you drag and drop everything. We've talked about it. I mean, we talked about this. People do this. They don't, Merlin, they don't seem to get it. They don't get it. There are people who right now, they're right now, they're sitting down at their desk, they're booting up their PC, and they're oh, saying, boy. I'm going to make a website now. And they- I gotta go do a pull request on my bootstrap. They open, they open up a, a text editor and they do left bracket, uh, le, le, less than, HTML, right, right bracket. And, uh-huh. and then they hit, they hit return. And then uh-huh. they start with the next head, H-E-A-D tag. And oh. then they do a title tag on it. This is how it's people... Tag, it's tags all the way down. People hey, think HRF this is the way to do what? it. This is no way to live, Dan. Who lives this way today? People, a lot of people do this. And then there's and other people out there who are like CEOs of companies. And they say, you know what? We, we need a website for our business. Or there's software developers who are building like an iOS app or an Android app or a, a Mac app or something. We need a web... We, I guess we need a website for this, don't we? Don't we like need a website now? There's, you know what? Right now, there's a photographer waking up in San Francisco, and she's saying to herself, "I need a place to put my photos. I guess I need to spend ten thousand dollars on a website." Shocking. And you know what? She just wrote the check. Oh, God. She didn't need to write the check. She could have spent as little as eight bucks a month and gotten a free domain. From Squarespace and done the whole thing herself. All she has to do is drag and drop. It's amazing. And they, they, have, uh, they have asked us to tell our listeners that, they, that the listeners will get 10% off their first purchase if they use the code It's Your Show. One word, ITS, It's Your Show. 10% off your first purchase. And even just visiting squarespace.com slash back to work. Can you imagine what uh, Mimi over at Squarespace would say to us? If, uh, if, if, if every one of our listeners right now pulled over to a safe location and opened up squarespace.com slash back to work in their browser, on their phone, whatever, that, first of all, we would get a phone call within 10 minutes. It'd be Mimi and she'd be like, whatever you guys are doing, you keep doing it. You, put, you pull over, you put it in park, you go somewhere That's safe, it. you load safe. up the site. Load if up you, the site. Just load up the site. That'll support the show. And when you're there, guess what? Sign up. It's free. No strings attached. You're going to get a free domain if you if you decide to sign up for a year. And the code, it's your show, 10% off your first purchase. Thank you very much to squarespace.com slash back to work for supporting this program with Merlin Mann. Squarespace! Mm. So my follow-up. Follow-up. My, I, I don't remember how much of this we talked about on the show, but my, my child, who the eight and a half year old one, has a computer. Did we talk about that? I tell you that he has a computer now. You, you, you talked about how he expressed an interest in learning about computers. He did. And I, I, I guess about a month ago, 
I had a, I dug up an old Mac mini. It was one that we used to have here in the studio. That was one of the Skype machines. But now that we're not really doing like four or five people on Skype at the same time at all, I said, I can decommission one of these and I brought it home and I hooked it up to an old screen and, uh, and he started using it. And one of the things he enjoys doing is he enjoys playing games from like our time period, like Half-Life and Portal and stuff like that. Loves those games. But one of the other things that he wanted to start doing was watching, and I don't know how it is that he got so into this because, again, back to your point of there are things now that come out that, that we don't understand and think maybe are wrong. Like, for example, I never want, I've never wanted to watch someone else play a video game. Anytime someone else is playing a video game and I had to watch, it's because they had three or four quarters up and I had to wait for them to die enough time so that their quarters would get used up. I didn't want to watch them play the game. I just, I wanted to play Gauntlet when they were done. I wanted to play Robotron when they were done. And I knew that they weren't going to make it past the second level light cycles in Tron. So I just had to wait it out for them to use up those quarters. Can you you imagine not only wanting to do that, but having favorites, like people you would seek out to watch play video games? Right. And so part of this is like, he's, he'd be like, well, I want to watch the Half-Life walkthrough. I'm like, well, why can't, don't you just want to play it? Like the, the game's on the computer. You could just play it. He's like, well, yeah, but I kind of want to watch such and such a person do it. I'm like, all right. Well, of course, like to do that, they've got to have access to YouTube. And I knew, I know, I know what's on YouTube and it's not good. And I said, let me, you know, I'm probably being stupid here, but I'm just going to let, I'm just going to let him have YouTube. And see how quickly it gets bad. And it did not take very long to get bad. He was not watching porn or anything like that. But some of the videos that he would watch, I would hear, I would hear a, a curse word. And I'm like, okay, let's shut this down. But you would be shocked to find out how difficult it is to implement parental controls in a, in a reliable way across multiple devices. The <laughs> software that's out for it is crap. Would I? Uh, yes. Would I be amazed? Yes. You would no, probably would not. not. You would probably not. Oh, God. And there's, there's a, there's, well, we'll get to this, but there is a super basic problem at the heart of the iOS management of this, but I want to hear more about this. So like you're talking about in YouTube in particular. I'm, I'm not like, just saying YouTube, like, you know, the internet is, is a wonderful place. And as, as you know, it's also a horrible place and it's, I trust my son. I know he's not out there looking for adult stuff. The problem is you almost can't avoid it just by being on the internet a little bit. So yes, you can install apps, you can use blockers, you can do other things, but there is, you know, and people are going to say, what about parental controls in Mac OS 10? There's all these, uh, all these great, um, uh, little settings that you can do and, and sites that you can block and things like that. Well, guess what? There is a huge bug in El Capitan where you can't, when you make the changes in parental controls, they don't save. You can turn off management. You can turn on management. You, you, the only answer is make a new account. I'm not making a new account and reinstalling everything. Sorry. But I'll put that in the show notes. There's lots of, anyway, even that solution, even if it did work, is much less than perfect. But I found, um, I found a really good solution for this that's working right now until he gets a bit better at uh at kind of hacking into the computer and and circumventing things that i put in place uh which he doesn't seem to want to do yet the the open dns has something called family shield open dns is amazing and uh and family shield is great but they have another level of this above it it's called open dns home 
Both of these things are free. And what Family Shield lets you do is it has DNS servers different from their regular DNS servers. And you can put these things in and you can either hard code them into your router uh, so that when it, when it assigns a DHCP address to anything that's joining your network, uh, it will use these IP addresses for DNS servers. Or you can, you can, yes, or you can <sighs> manually put them in on each device. If you set it up as the default one, you, and, and maybe you don't want to be limited to not watching YouTube or something, you can override that, of course, because we're adults and we can do whatever we want on I our devices. I did not know this. Yes. That's amazing. So, so we could, you could override the DNS servers and not use the ones that it will auto-assign. But basically what this, what this does is it uses, it, it, these, their DNS servers are pre-configured to block adult content, all adult content. If, if that's not enough for you or if you want to customize it, you can do their open DNS home thing they should sponsor the show and and basically this lets you go in and you can do all of the adult content you can tell it what kind of adult content you can specifically block or allow specific sites to work so like he's using steam in order to um in order to like you know like uh, launch these games and steam also has like a section where they have videos and previews of games and i guess there's maybe like pg-13 content in some of the games i don't i've i've looked at a lot of it i'm fine if he looks at that kind of preview so like i could say okay well steam steampowered.com or steamcommunity.com like allow those domains he can see those so like i've unblocked those you can do this all manually and what's amazing is you do it on the open dns website and it goes into effect you don't have to like ha- get a, a compatible router or anything like that it's all just done on on open dns itself and anytime that uh the, the devices wake up and get assigned that that uh through dhcp they get assigned their uh their address they're going to get assigned these these Uh, DNS servers automatically. So there's not really a way for the child to get around it per se, unless they get very, very good and can like hack into the control panel uh, or system preferences by figuring out what your parental control password is and then manually hard coding a DHCP address and the IP and the IP address of a different DNS server. You're talking about something most eight year olds probably can't do. But uh, anyway, this has been a wonderful thing for us because it it allows us to really filter the right kind of content. So, so far, so good. And the nice thing about it is it's free. So you can just like try it out and see if it works for you. Uh, so it's a, I'll put a link to it, but it's opendns.com slash home dash internet slash dash security uh, in the show notes. But this thing has been really, really cool. And I've I've been really happy to have found this because it's not OS specific. It's not OS mm-hmm. dependent. Yeah, I, I love OpenDNS. I've loved and used it for years. Um, one thing is that sometimes, so yes, I, I haven't used everything you just described, but it, uh, all of those things are great. You can also set up, um, so basically it just notices where you, once you're logged in, it notices like what IP address you're using it at. And so you can enter that in for your, at the airport or whatever your router is, open it, you know, at at that level, set those two uh, addresses. One nice side benefit, um, a lot of times when Comcast, this has happened two or three times in the last year, where Comcast seems to stop working for internet. And if you poke around a little bit, you discover that it's actually just their DNS servers that are down. Uh. So one nice thing, if you use Google or OpenDNS for your DNS, 
you will sometimes get around problems other places have. They're usually pretty fast. But then, yeah, you also get this filtering, which can be really great. You get nice some interesting stats on, on what's being used. But uh, yeah, I don't know how they keep that free, but it's, it is an amazing service. And I, I would also suggest people check it out. It's really great. And, uh, and, and so anyway, that's in the show notes. But this has been, it, if, if there's a better solution out there or if there's a way to kind of police this better, I would love to be able to give him access to YouTube again. I don't know if there's like a filtered way because YouTube is really, really bad at filtering content. Like if, if it's detected that it's 18 and up kind of a thing, they'll put a thing that says you must be signed in in order to use it. They'll do that. But the thumbnails are still there and the thumbnails can be really bad. Uh, so, you know, like hmm. I don't, I don't know how to allow him to see completely legit walkthroughs with no commentary. Like, yeah, I have no problem if he sees those, but the one where it's like a 17 year old kid cursing up a storm while he's playing counter-strike, you know, like I don't want him to see that, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, not just not sure what to do, but this has been a, a really, really, really good solution. So that's yeah. my follow up for the week. It's really, it's really, that's good follow up. It's a, it's very challenging. And also, you know, it, when you think about like why you would want to, let's just say filter results for things, you know, if, if you really think, if you stop thinking of it, uh, thinking of it as censorship or hiding and you think of it more as filtering, I mean, there's some kinds of filtering I feel like most of us could kind of get behind, except in very special circumstances. I don't really want to see my Gmail spam in my inbox, which sounds obvious, but let's just admit that there are some kinds of like in that case, that's almost all stuff I never want to see. Right. There's some kinds of people I, I just would prefer not to see on Twitter. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if it's really bad, they're blocked or they're, they're muted or whatever. And like, do, you know, do we have to, you know, present a writ in order to defend why we want that? Well, no, it's, it's quality of life. But if we also if we take that as saying like, well, we're really talking about filtering rather than just strictly censoring and blocking. It gets very complicated. And look no further than Latata Ziri was talking about watching Ghostbusters with this little kid last night. And I think anybody who's watched Ghostbusters with their children knows there's one, one, mm -hmm. one very short scene in that otherwise mostly unobjectionable movie that pretty much everybody wishes weren't there. So basically, I don't for, understand how it is there. How is it in a PG movie that how is it in basically a, it's so dumb anyway? Dan Aykroyd gets a beach from a ghost. It's not even it's good. Just, it's stupid. It's dumb. It is stupid. It does not help the plot. It doesn't um, fit with the character, his character either. But like, it's, it's one of those outliers where you're like, oh, you know, you know, I mean, I, I have to say there are tons of movies or there are tons of things, even like the flop house where I'm like, I would never ask the flop house guys to change anything that they do. But there's this part of me that goes like part of what makes that show great is how random it can be. But I'm like, my daughter can almost listen to that show except mm. for the stuff that she absolutely could never hear. <laughs> and there's a lot of movies like that where yeah. like if there weren't this one or two things in it, but you know, I'm not asking people to change to like be how I want, but it does mean that if you have a fairly well-known tolerance or intolerance for certain kinds of things, you know, you want to not have that be a thing. If, mm -hmm. you know, nudity, I guess, is one obviously complex one because yeah. there's some cases where nudity makes sense and is part of the movie. But like, you know, nudity in Schindler's List is really different from nudity in what Debbie does Dallas, whatever pornos are out there. Like nudity serves a very, very different function in those two movies. And so, yeah, you can just say, I don't want my kid to see naked bodies but, you know, but there is some, there is some nuance and complexity to those things. You know, there's, there is really, it's really difficult to have a, a switch you flip that says, 
keep my kid away from egregiously unnecessary gross stuff. <laughs> it's a lot more subtle than that. You can't just shut it all off. But like, how do you, I don't know. I, don't, I think it's an unsolved problem. It is. And, you know, the, it, like this stuff is always out there. It's unavoidable. But, you know, how long can we, how long can we uh, let, let them just be kids? You know, like. Oh, no, I, I, I agree. But this also in some ways brings us back to one of our original topics this week, if there was a topic, which is like where you have to entrust something to someone else yes. in the same way that you would entrust somebody to get cable in your house. Somebody else is going to manage your music availability for you. Right. You know, I've had numerous people back in the day contact me to say, it's hilarious. I can't see my wife could not see 43 folders from work. It was blocked. I never completely understood why, but I mean, it doesn't take that much. It, if, the, if you are rolling with the abundance of caution attitude about something, it only takes one little incursion into something you consider inappropriate to just say, shut the whole thing down. But, you know, that's the other part of this is like, we have to, I mean, there's certain kinds of things where you would go, there's a lot of things where like, if it's a PG-13 movie, sometimes I will watch it before I even consider showing it to my kid, which is, you know, that's not too onerous because hopefully it's something I'd want to watch. But then there's other kinds of things where you're like, just, you don't want to have like unnecessary exposure to stuff that is just gross for no reason and it's just egregious. But like you have to kind of entrust that to other people unless you want to look at everything first yourself. And then there's always just the case of somebody screaming obscenities on the street. You know, this is why my 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 feeling is like I want to take the magic out of those words. If it's something like cursing, I want her to totally know that those are words that are around and exist. Right. But that doesn't mean they're the kind of thing that we say all the time. Right. Just unless hearing, you're me because I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> hearing the word isn't so terrible it's how do we use it when do we choose to use it under what circumstances is it allowed you know and and i think i think there's so much that gets blurred by ex overexposure to that kind of stuff oh yeah and you don't notice it until it's too late yes where something has hardened you right looking for this quote from uh chief wiggum because i think Emmer, emerson in the chat room Hi, Emerson. Points out, OpenDNS allows you to have a custom block page. Mine says, Dad is always watching. <laughs> and I didn't nice. know that it did. And guess where I'm headed right now? Chief Wiggum to, uh, to, uh, to Ralphie and Bart. What is your fascination with my forbidden closet of mysteries? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's what it is. You know, when you, when you get worked up and have an emotional response to something, boy, your kids notice that a lot more than any copies of the Ten Commandments you got on the wall. Mm -hmm. They notice how you react to things. Well, look at Whoa! this. Look at this. You can upload an image. You can block it with your own custom message. I got a custom. I got a custom image on my blog I'm page. I'm going to upload an image of my face looking angry. I did that talk a long time ago about um, time and attention where I used that stock graphic of like a brain in a bell jar with liquid. Uh -huh. So that's the image on my block page. Wow. Is this really much where you want your brain right now? That is so I'm cool. sorry. <laughs> Love it. Oh, hi, Emerson. He's a good man. And Thura. <laughs> All right, let's button this up. I All love right. You. Love you too, Merlin, man.